Welcome to the Welsh Music Prize Conversations, where each nominated band or artist from the 2020 shortlist will delve into a chat about their body of work. You can hear all 15 conversations through AM, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Croeso mawr i sgyrsia gwobr gerddoriaeth Gymreig, ble bydd pob un band ac artist sydd ar y rhestr fer 2020 yn cael sgwrs am ei gwaith. Mae modd gwrando'r bob un o'r sgyrsiau yma trwy AM, Spotify neu Apple Podcasts. So sit back and enjoy this chat between David Owens and Silent Forum about their nominated album, Everything Solved at Once. Gobeithion o'ch i fynhau'r sgwrs yma rhwng David Owens a Silent Forum am ei album, Everything Solved at Once. This podcast may contain strong language. Gall y podcast hwn gynnwys iaith gref. Well, I think the album obviously is a few years in the making. I remember first bumping into the band in 2017 by chance at a gigging club when they were supporting Beach Menace. And um, the photographer had to drag me out there. We were writing a a piece about uh, the state of Cardiff's music scene at the time. And I was especially taken by this sort of brooding uh, rock and roll music that I was listening to and more precisely Richard's dancing, which was uh, quite the sight to behold. And at that point, I thought, well, this is a band worth taking notice of. And I couldn't have been any happier when three years later, this complete, wonderful album came to fruition. Well, let, let's let's do it in the sort of conventional <laughs> if, that, if that's okay, gentlemen. Yeah. If I was just interviewing you normally, which um, this will be. It's a good place to start. That, well, it's the best place to start, I always yeah. find. And and that place is generally at the beginning. So I'm going to ask you that standby question that every music journalist asks a band, and that's give me the backstory. How did Silent Forum come to be? Okay, I have to take you all the way back to 2012 for that. Yeah. It was 2012, wasn't it, Richard? It was, yeah. I was going to say, you're actually talking to the first two members of an unnamed band, which is Richard and I. Um, through the magic of the internet, we uh, we met. Oh, I can't remember what form it was. It might have been um, the Cardiff Music Society, which mm. I never joined and never went to a single session of. But I think I've, Richard did exactly the same as me, which was post on page looking for someone wanting to start a band yeah, and yeah. Um, from there Richard and I went on a little mission to find some other people to play some music with. I tried to start a band the year before um, because I'm a year older than, than, than the other guys, well the other original band members um, and I just had an absolutely terrible time. I turned up to this like first session where just a bunch of people who wanted to start a band had all come into the same room and I was one of three singers in the room um and it was just a a complete it was just a joke everyone wanted to play different music nobody really knew what to do so they were like oh should we do a cover and it was just like but just like loads and loads of musicians too many people in one room um so i'd kind of after a pretty terrible first year at uni um i kind of got back to trying to to start a band in, in second year and then yeah luckily got a hold of elliot via the facebook page of um of that music society we never went to. Um, and then um, through Elliot, he got our original guitarist, um, Johnny Pugh, who was in the band until 2015. Yeah, and um, yeah, and um, then uh, we got Ollie um, shortly after. Um, and then shortly after that, we got another guitarist who's no longer there as well called, called Aaron Wood. Um, and uh, Aaron stuck with us until um, uh, 2017, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were we were for, for quite a while. So when we when we very first started, um, uh, since you want you want the absolute beginning, and we were a fun indie pop band, and we just played just really sugary indie pop music, but we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, yeah. So we were. What was our very first band name, Elliot? Oh, how was it? Was it Pheasant's Revolt? Is that Pheasant's was... Revolt? Pheasant's Revolt. That was it. Um, and, no and, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then we then we became How I Faked the Moon Landing, and we were How yeah. I Faked the Moon Landing for many years. Um, 
I think and we got all of about three weeks out of Pheasant's Revolt before we all <laughs> revolted. <laughs> you quickly realised. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm so glad we I'm never so gigged glad. under that name. Yeah, best decision we ever made. Exactly. So, um, so what were you looking for at the beginning then? What was the sort of... Were there musical touchstones? Were there boxes to be ticked? Were there things that you needed in common to have this uh, to get this band together? We all came from very different places in terms of our, our musical backgrounds, I think. Um, yeah. uh, and we'd all been, as far as I'm aware, we'd all been in bands before, though I can't quite remember about Aaron. Mm. Um, so in college, I was in a band um, where we played a mix of covers and our own music, but all of the music was written by the singer, who was an incredibly talented guy who could play play the guitar, both guitar parts, the bass and the drums to every song he wrote. He'd write these amazing um, kind of uh, like arty indie songs. So that my background was with that band. That's why I, le- I learned to play drums in that band as well. I only started playing drums when I was 16, right. um, mainly because this guy was my best friend and uh, he wanted yeah. a drummer to play with him and I wanted to play drums. So yeah. I got thrown in the deep end, which was, here's a song I've written, please learn how to play it on drums. And I'd never played the drums before, <laughs> but I was giving it a go. Yeah, so yeah. that was my background. And then Richard, you played with, um in a band before i played in a band before um and um i I think similar to to the very early how i faked the moon landing material it was admirably inconsistent in style and tone Um, so every every song was like a a completely different exit you'd have a jangle pop song and then you'd have a post pox pump song but like not this but not in a way that kind of meshed in any way um and and it was really good fun um, and I was really upset when that band ended, even though we hadn't really shown that, you know, that much promise. I think we'd, we'd had some fun songs. Um, yeah. I, I think I think some of some of the uh, some of the things that I learned there, I then took into, um, you know, into how I faked the moon landing. Mm. Um, and then I think. I think for a while with, with with the initial lineup, I mean, we used to, so we used to write songs in in Johnny Pugh's barn because he, he his mum's house had a barn which had a drum kit in it. So we'd go and we'd, we'd play music in kind of like this um, a fairly a fairly big space. Did he live um, on a farm? No, I don't think so. You knew him. You know, you know Johnny better. Yeah, he's just a, lives in. Well, his mum had a lovely house in Monmouth, like tucked out the way of everywhere else oh. in the world. It was this lovely lovely house with this lovely barn and it just happened to have um, (laughs) a drum kit and amp set up in it i think johnny's brother had played in a band for a while as well so they had it set up from when he used to be in a band and um yeah we're very fortunate to have that because it meant we didn't have to pay for any practice space we could go every week um his mum would buy in ingredients for us to make pizzas we really had it very well made at the beginning <laughs> so yeah when when johnny left the band in march 2015 the first question was where are we going to practice <laughs> <laughs> and did he carry did he carry on letting you use the bar no no absolutely no. not that was the end of that <laughs> oh no you were evicted so from the bar yeah we, so we moved to um arches which now no longer exists um and um, the quality, I think the quality of writing went up for two reasons. Um, one, we were practicing way more often and for longer. Yeah. Um, and uh, two, I think the space was actually better built for it. Um, and and three, um, Dario joined the band, um, who is our now only guitarist. And um, suddenly everything just made a lot more sense. Um, Johnny, and uh, you know, he would probably say this himself, um, very, very talented guitarist technically. Oh yeah. But he he didn't necessarily always want to play the same things as us, which I think led to that admirable inconsistency in style and tone. Whereas yeah, yeah. you you then got Dario on board, and um, he it was like he was like a bullet in terms of knowing exactly what we wanted to do and fitting in with that sound and then driving us forward and pushing forward that sound um so so we auditioned so we, we auditioned um dario as a four piece yeah and um uh how many people did we audition in the end elliot about four or five yeah so like um, we had one guy who came so we, we we had a song called um uh mad john okay 
Anyway, we had a song called Mad John and it needed a guitar part. So part of the audition was we'd play Mad John and then we'd see what this guest guitarist would just do on top of it and see see how like they'd they'd fill in the song. Yeah. Um so we had like this guy come in who was a really talented guitar teacher yeah. and he started just playing these absolute crazy hard rock guitar licks all over all over the, for the track. Whole song, like for the four whole song. For the whole song. Straight. <laughs> And then guitar we would, solo, um, four minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we would then stop the song and we'd say, okay, the, the song's a little bit more dynamic. We've got the, the, this area, um, we'd like to be a little bit quieter, and this area we'd like to be a bit quieter. So let's just go again and, uh, and yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll see if we can get some more dynamics in there. And we'd play again and exactly the same. Guitar licks, <laughs> guitar riffs, four minutes without stopping. That was fun. Wow. <laughs> so that um, showed us what we could have won if, uh, yeah. if we were yeah. less lucky. Yeah. So the, the, then, we, then we, had, we, got, we, we whittled it down to two guitarists who we were really, who we were happy with. Um, Dario was definitely the technically the, the better of the two guitarists, but, but we were worried he, genre-wise, wasn't, wasn't really um, going to fit in with the band, but we decided to, to, on balance, go with him, and thank God we did. Because oh, yeah. he couldn't, you know, after actually being on more than one practice, it was clear he couldn't have been better suited to, to what we were doing. And because we had two guitarists at that point, it was um, all of our music up until like the first two EPs and the two singles um, uh, prior to the album, um, all the kind of like dark post-punk material. Part of the characteristics of that is you had these two guitars, two guitarists that were both kind of leads and they were competing mm. against each other. And that was kind of the point of what we were doing was, was um, uh, you know, that, that for us was, was our USP. Yeah. So mm, when, um, when, you, when you got Gat and Dario on board, was that end of, how I Fake the Moon Landing mm. and a new start as yeah. Silent Forum then, yeah. Yeah, and to go back to your original question of what we were looking for when we were starting yeah. a band, I don't think any of us really knew what we were looking for other than wanting to play music with some people and see what happened and try. We didn't, none of us had a great idea of what we were going to do in terms of writing music. We just yeah. knew that we enjoyed playing music and we enjoyed playing music with other people and we wanted to write our own music. But, yeah. um, Ollie came from a po playing post-punk music. No, pop-punk. Uh, no, no, pop-punk music um, yeah. uh, as well. And yeah, so we didn't really have this identity. Nothing had really clicked, but we were really enjoying it. And then when Dario entered the band, all of a sudden, like everything mm. just meshed together. It was like, oh, oh, this is what we're doing. This is, yeah. it was almost like, oh, this is what we've been waiting for to make something that feels cohesive from one week to the next, from one month to sure. the next. And it felt like more of a... Uh, something that could grow from that. Yeah, yeah. So the penny drop, essentially. Yes, for you. yeah, exactly, yeah. It you felt like you knew where you were going, the direction you were headed in. Yeah, it just, it just felt different. It, we, didn't, we didn't really set, it didn't kind of get said out loud. And none yeah. of us were like, oh, finally we know where we're going. But it, it just felt a little bit different. Um, everything was running really nicely and smoothly. We all felt a bit more creative. Yeah. Um, the music that we were making, we were writing songs faster and we were writing more interesting songs. And um, and I think we all started to get a lot closer as a band around that time as well. We spent more time away from band with each other, um, and I don't know, it just it just yeah, it just all clicked. I think one of the things that we did keep from from that kind of early days, um, kind of vibe and feel of the band is we would nobody has ever come into our practice room with something pre-written. Everything we write, we write as a four piece or then a five piece, everyone in the room all at once writing. So every yeah. single song's written simultaneously by, by four people. Um, yeah. And that's something that we, uh, I think, I don't know any other way to write a song yeah, um, because yeah. it's all we've ever done. Sure. It's, it's not, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways of writing songs, but it, it always felt like a, a sort of real democratic process then. Yeah, almost. But it, in a lot of ways, it's um, it's not it's not really spoken about. It just kind of happens. We all just go, well, let's go and see what happens. And yeah. uh, it's it's almost like it's democratic without the words. Like we'll stop. Somebody will stop doing something for a while, and they'll be listening to somebody else, and then they'll try something yeah. else, or somebody might go, "Oh, do that again," mm. and then it will j just like it's almost or like it's why bubbling. did you stop doing that yeah yeah, yeah. One. <laughs> it was just like bubble 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 and then all of a sudden it will be like oh there's the song and then we can kind of uh do something with it from there so it's yeah 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the thing we've kept actually. You're very right about that, Rich. That's the thing that we've we've kept since the very beginning, which is we're not quite sure how to write music, so let's all try at the same time. <laughs> Elliot's rare as a drummer in that yeah. he he structures all our songs. So when we've got all our kind of material, when we've got all the bits and pieces and in, in all the materials, um, he'll tell us like you know do this bit for this long, do that bit for that long. You know, if okay. it's not, if, if, we, if we haven't quite fallen into something. Yeah. Are you the musical director then, Elliot? Uh, not quite. It's more like we, it's more like we make something and then I carve it down. <laughs> so uh, I don't like it as we go. Yeah. Like a consultant, yeah. like a, a, a structural consultant. <laughs> in, in my experience, it's very rare for a drummer to have that level of input, to be honest with you. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've not known anything different really, apart from in my old band where I would just turn up and play the songs. Sure. But, sure. Um, yeah. So Richard keeps telling me. <laughs> so where was the first Silent Forum gig then? As Silent Forum or as How I Fake the Moon Landing? As uh, Silent Forum. As Silent Forum, jeez. Um, Would it have been, I, I've, I've, got, I've got a feeling it was Undertone. No, you're wrong. It was no? um, Soon Festival 2015 ah. um, at Goody Who. Okay. Oh, what nice. Can... That's fitting. Our first what... gig was at Goody Was our first gig at Goody Who? No, our it was first... a club. Our first gig was at club, yeah. yeah. And when was that? Twenty fifteen. Um, twenty fifteen, yeah, late twenty fifteen. Okay. Well, what time were you on? Do you remember at soon? Um, I can't remember what time we were on, but I'd imagine, I'd imagine so it's eighth of November. I'd imagine we were probably on around six or seven p.m. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. So at that point, was there any sort of hard and fast aims and ambitions for the band, or was it? Let's just see where this takes us. I think one of our main ambitions was to keep playing music, keep writing music, do what, uh, keep, yeah, keep performing as well. So it wasn't so much we want to be doing X so much as we want to keep, <laughs> we want to keep, keep the motion going, keep the movement going. Yeah. Um, I think I think I'm I'm often in terms of progress and in terms of aims, I'm the driving person in the band so whereas i'm not i'm not i'm not you know there's no necessarily there's no driving person in terms of writing but in terms of um the driving force in terms of progress so um when we didn't have a single back in 2014 we'd never done a single so my aim was right we need to go into a studio and to do a single and then in 2015 we'd never done an ep so i was like right we need to get a get a, get along enough songs in order to do an EP. And then we did, yeah. you know, a couple more releases. And then it was like, right, we need to do an album. Um, yeah, you've, been, uh, you've been remarkably good with the timing for everything because it's felt so effortless for everyone else. And the, effortless is probably almost the wrong word, but the timing has always felt right. It's never felt like we've been missing something for too long or been trying to achieve the next thing for too long. It's been like, oh, we, uh, Richard goes, oh, we should do a single next. And he goes, yeah, that's a good idea. So let's go do our single. It's like, oh, we should do EP. It's like it does feel like the right time to do an EP. <laughs> but I think I think we're in a natural rhythm now. So it's like we're yeah. just going to carry on making albums for as long as it's possible to do that. And I think you know, even if somebody for some reason had to move away or something terrible happened, um, I think you know, because I don't live in the same city as the, as the rest of the band anymore. So you know, we know that we can make a band work with somebody distanced. Um, so it, it would be, it would be, um, it would take quite a lot. I think somebody being in another country, you know, um, for us to go on hiatus, but I think even then we probably wouldn't stop. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you um, two now, Richard? I live in London. Okay. Elliot, you still in Cardiff? Yeah. Still in Cardiff with the rest okay. of the band. The rest of the band are in Cardiff. Yeah. Band. Okay. But that hasn't stopped the, I mean, obviously we're in enforced lockdown currently, but prior to that, before coronavirus and a pandemic was it working that you were in london and um sending stuff down to the band or absolutely no no yeah. no so we so, started trying to do that but it didn't oh, work i didn't tell work. you what unless you imagine if you're in like an electro pop band or something emailing yeah. files to each other and stuff that might work but yeah. if you're in a band that requires some kind of live presence it doesn't work so yeah. what i do is i um i travel down once a month and we do in the space of one weekend, the amount of practice we used to do in a month. Wow. So Friday for um, six hours, Saturday in the middle of the day for seven hours, and then yeah. Sunday in the morning for seven hours. 
um, and then I travel back to London. Um, and then it yeah. means that we're actually more productive now than we were when we all lived in the same place. Because yeah, instead yeah. of meeting up once a week, we have these intense um, three-day writing sessions. Yeah, yeah. Or practicing sessions or whatever we want to do. I would imagine they're more productive in the sense that it focuses your mind. Yeah, it's it's very strange how it's happened because at the time we were like, oh, how are we going to... We did flirt with sending files originally because yeah. we were so used to doing like weekly practices that the rest of yeah, us yeah. would keep doing our weekly practices. We'd try and record something and send it to Richard. Richard would try yeah. and record something over the top. And nothing really fit particularly well. And there was... It, it wasn't very long, but there was a little bit of time where it's like, oh, how are we going to do this? And yeah. then the obvious answer just kind of appeared, which was, well, we'll come down. We've got a gig coming up. Let's come down and do some practice and some writing. Do it over a weekend, and if if anything, it's got uh, our writing's got quicker, and the intensity has has really helped in that regard because you're not wondering what we did the week before. We're not really short of time. It's not like oh, we can't finish this now. We just keep keep plugging away until something works. I, do, well, I get a sense that um, Silent Forum is a very focused uh, band, a determined band, a dedicated band. I, I got the feeling through you know, watching you evolve over the years that, you know, you're always playing gigs. You you seem to me to be one of the hardest working bands in Wales in the sense of lots of support slots, playing wherever you could. Would, would that would that be fair? I mean, we just really like playing gigs. Um, yeah. and that's one of the curses of 2020 is, you know, we've just released an album. We can't wait to can't wait to tour it. Oh, it's going to be great! You know, we're going to play more gigs than ever before. And then for the yeah. first time, we're playing. We've played no gigs. And it's like the the difference between expectation. You know, a year where we might play, I don't know, twenty gigs at least. You're then playing zero gigs. It's it's um it's quite uh it's quite a uh, quite a shock. But yeah, no, I think I think um. I guess I guess we're hardworking in that you know we don't it, it, we don't really leave gaps you know we will write as much you know we're going to write and write and write and write and write until we make a second album once we've made a second album we're going to write and write and write until we've made a third album um, and that that's 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 our plan and you know we'll gig whenever we can gig and and kind of take up any opportunities that we can um, you know given the other responsibilities that we have. Um, but I don't, I think because it's, you know, it's the most fun activity we can, we can do. I don't, there's nothing in my life, which, which I do, you know, activity wise. I, I mean, I write reviews and stuff and, um, I, but I don't, there's nothing I do that is, you know, gives me the kind of, the kind of kick that being in a band is. Sure. Um, I imagine it's oh. what normal people find like playing football or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it doesn't kind of escape us that it's a huge privilege to be able to, play music for people and we enjoy it so much that it's although we there was a period where we were playing all of these gigs as often as we could it never it wasn't really a point where it felt like work there were some weeks where it was busier than others there's some weeks where we were more tired than others but we would we would always get there we'd always get to the gig we'd set up and as soon as we were all together in that room like we'd because and I think it's partially because we um, we're always writing music together. There's just always if you put the four four of us in a room, there's always a good energy. So we get we get mm. together in the room. We're great. We know we're playing a show. Everybody's. I've had a rubbish day, but I instantly feel better because I'm around three awesome people who I know we're going to go do something really fun with. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's I, almost I, not felt like work. I mean, I'm the only person in the band that is capable of like getting moody and being difficult. So I've got three, I'm with three of the most chilled out, which is partly why I'm, you know, in terms of like making sure that we've got on the agenda, look, we need to do this, we need to do that. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm the driven one, but I'm also the one like who gets, you know, pissy. Whereas the other guys are so, they're the most chilled out and, you know, um, uh, happiest and just, you know, easygoing people in the world. So um, it's, uh, you know, I've never really have a problem with any of them. They'll let me behave any way I like and they'll, they'll still they'll still act as if they like me. Oh, God, it, Elliot, oh, Elliot you're, yeah. you're, cre you're creating a monster. No, it's, uh, it's <laughs> I, I can it's, see it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, um, it's like sometimes things uh, get a little bit more intense than others, but the... Uh, there's never, there's never been a point where any of us. We've never like, argued. 
Yeah, yeah. There's ever. never been a point where it's been anything to thought the you, other. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we all know that we all mean each other so well, and we all love each other so much that it's, it's, it's. We're 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 allowed to have off days. It's fine. And then sure, sure. And um, we we're kind of there to help and support each other and and get each other back into the zone. Um, to be fair what i'm describing was probably more me before i moved to london because you know now every single time i'm i'm with the band it's like right i'm with the band it's that focus being with the band period and it's just like wow it's that it's this little slice of my life where we get to do this for you know uh, uh, 21 hours um all in one weekend and then um so i i guess i'm just uh I, i probably have myself mellowed out a little bit I mean, I, I think uh, what I was getting at was that um, just through seeing you for the first time and then on subsequent occasions, there was a real energy, a real vibrancy, a real drive, a real passion. All those things came across as if you were determined to get yourself noticed, just to not merge into the background, if you like. Um, and we'll come on to talk about the, the, the themes in, in the album in a second. But um, would that be correct then, what I've just said? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we are, I think there's no point. It's completely pointless to work really hard to make music and then nobody hear it. So I think it's, you know, we have created, we have created this album to be listened to by people and we want, we, you know, will work hard to try and make sure that as many people as possible hear it. Gigs are more fun when there's an audience, you know, a release day is more fun when there's people, you know, picking up, listening to it and, and, and talking about it. Um, and it is, um, you know, it's really great to hear, you know, getting, getting feedback. So really, I mean, we'd be doing it whether or not we had all of this, but yeah. I, I do think, I do think given that, and I think probably maybe even more so for me than the rest of the band, but given the, the, the raw materials we produce as a band, I feel a great sense of responsibility to try and push it in as many people's faces as possible. Um, and I think in terms of then that live experience, I mean, we've all got ownership over the music because we've all written it. You know, it's yeah. equally Elliot's as it is Darius as it is Ollie's as it is mine. So um, it's exactly the kind of thing we like to listen to because it's what it's what we chose chose to write. And it's exactly the kind of thing we like to perform because it's what we chose to write. So yeah. there is a certain amount of um, we've all bought into it in a way that I think it would be more difficult if you had a guy who came in with a guitar and said, okay, this is something I wrote in my room. Can we work with this? What do you think you can do with this? Sure, sure. So let's talk about everything solved at once then. Um, I've read it described as a black comedy concept album about life on the fringes of the Welsh music business. Um, Is that a fair description? I'd I'd say, I'd say that's a good, uh, that's a good description. I'd add on to that. It's, you know, it's about being, I feel like albums generally, music generally does a really good job of writing about partying and love and romance and breakups and, you know, spectacular events, exciting events. What it, But I, I, you don't get a lot of music about mundane stuff, you know, working an ordinary job um where you get quite angry or excited about things that you know to anybody outside of that job would be quite boring pieces of of of, of information yeah. um so I, I think i think i'll probably add on to that we, you know we write music about well i mean as the lyricist I, I probably have to you know everything else is a bit abstract but in terms of in terms of our lyrics you know there's definitely especially like in 2017 2018 we were writing about being on the fringes of, of, of the welsh music scene because we'd been around for a while and nobody was talking about us so i think there was there was a certain amount of that um but i'd also say it's just about it's trying to represent the normal human experience rather than the spectacular human experience sure it it, it, to me it seems very self-reverential almost like um like a lyrical documentary of a band at a certain place in time yeah i'd I'd say that's fair sure and it's a different slant on as you say the traditional norms of what songs are what songs are about the interesting thing so it's like i think uh, how i think the moon landing and which was the song about our old band and yeah. then um uh, uh a pop act which were written one day after another yeah. um we were writing about how 
Silent Forum, the moody post-punk band, yeah. were being received by you know radio DJs and um, the Welsh music scene at large. Yeah. Um, and so although the music was no longer, it didn't sound like that, the, the perspective from which we were talking from was the band that were b- performing those other songs. Um, yeah. And what, what it came from is we, we were really proud of our second EP um, uh, and we, we put out a, a single called Humility, which in yeah. we, in retrospect is, was, was a far, far too sad song to have as a lead single for a new EP. <laughs> it's miserable. And we're going to re-release all of our old material soon. So um, cool. uh, all the old EPs and the singles will be up for, for people to hear. We've gotten them remastered. Um, but... Uh, we were expecting, so we were really happy with the song. I think it's, it's a great song. And we were expecting, you know, um, some good feedback from it because, we, you know, it was from our perspective, it was one of the best things we'd, we'd written and we felt we were really progressing as a band. Yeah. And um, we went, uh, we spoke to um, a, a radio DJ. Um, I won't tell you who they are, but they, yeah. they did say, um, uh, oh, Silent Forum, oh, you're a bit serious. Um <laughs> Okay. You know, <laughs> uh, okay. and they did. They they were, were not all that supportive of of what we were doing, and like trying to give us trying to give us feedback on 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 how we were writing. So when we um when we went to go write how I fake so how I fake the moon landing was written the day that I had that conversation with a with a radio DJ, and yeah. um and then a pop act was written the following day, and and it, it was basically us going. Oh, this is the kind of thing you like, isn't it? We're gonna write. We're gonna write a song, the sort of thing that you like. So it was. It was how I fake the moon landing. T- it was kind of like a tongue-in-cheek. I was trying to write a pop song and coming out with a six-minute, you know, epic. Um, yeah. But then it turned out that you know actually we did like writing that music, and that was, <laughs> and, that, and then that ended up becoming our new sound. And like that whole first <laughs> album kind of spawned off of quite a negative conversation and i think yeah. that the further away i've gotten from that conversation the more i think actually it was probably quite a good piece of advice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, there, there is a there's a heavy dose of irony involved in uh, that story isn't it ultimately it led you to the the path the direction you're now in i guess you know yeah um and I, so I, I think that then more and more kind of the the way we write music is it's kind of a bit of um there's a bit of there's a bit of sarcasm in there, yeah. Um, and there's a bit of um, uh, not being afraid to do weird things. So like in you know how I think the Moonlighting was was the big single from from that album, and it's yeah. got a weird bass break where it just you know flies around the the, the fretboard for a bit. It's not yeah. really something you do in a single, but we sure. we made space for it in that song, and I think it's kind of <laughs> you know I think it's kind of people people liked it. So I yeah, think yeah. it's um I think it did kind of inform how we wrote going forwards. It was very good timing as well. It was very good timing as well that we just happened to be, we just happened to transition our music to something that was a little bit more um, kind of, or or definitely less sad at a time. And we got that type of advice at a time when as a band and uh, perhaps Richard especially were going through some positive transformations. So yeah, yeah. Um, we got very lucky with the timing. Mm. Yeah. So what was what was it like going from um, get the underdogs to the doyens? Then you know it's the the irony of uh, writing about being on the margins to an extent and then being embraced. Um, how did you feel about that, and how did you cope with that? It was quite. <laughs> I was going to say it was. I I think I remember the first time that we were listening to. Uh, how I fake the moon landing on the radio, or at least one of the first times I did. And I remember being sat out in my garden, and it was just a bit bizarre, really. It was just like, but we we've never been played before, and now we're writing about how we know that we've not been played, and we're not going to be played, and that's fine. Oh, and now all of a sudden it happened. <laughs> oh, cool, yeah. I'll just sit in my garden and enjoy the barbecue or whatever it was I was having. It was it was just a bit bizarre. I, yeah, I do yeah. wonder whether the lyric "We're destined to be a local band, not on the local radio." Um, I don't. I do wonder if that actually, in itself, demanded quite a lot yeah. of radio play. <laughs> um, because it's almost like the DJ's looking at that, and it's almost it's a challenge. 
It is a challenge, you're right. <laughs> so that's your advice to every band that's not being played on the radio, is to reference the fact that <laughs> they're not being picked up and, and they'll be played because of it. It's an interesting you have, tactic. You have to make definitely. enough songs first that don't get played. You couldn't do it with your first song. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point, a very good point. So, I mean, from that, obviously, um, what, what came first, just sort of chicken and egg thing, was it... Um, Libertino came along and then the album happened or did you write the songs for the album and take them to Libertino Records who you released the album through? Tell me how that process worked and obviously recorded it with Charlie Francis. So we recorded um, uh, Have Hate The Moon Landing in a pop act first out of, out of that batch of songs. Um, and Charlie was like, this is really good. I'm really, really pleased with this. And um, uh the process of recording with him kind of really helped level up the band and kind of put us in a in a in a space mentally we'd never been in before. And it was just it was really great, and he was very very supportive of the material. And he did say, "Oh, you, uh, you know, I know so I know um, a label that I think would really like this." So he handed over um, those two tracks to Griff from Libertino Records, who at the time was not taking on bands. Mm. And it's been, you know, one of the many times that Griff has not been taking on bands and has taken on bands anyway. <laughs> um, because the last thing he wants is another band to have to promote. But he just, you know, he finds himself in positions where he just can't help himself. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, he, he listened to he listened to the song and um, it it, uh, it was right up his street. And then he said that he would put it out with us um, and it was marketed as he was going to do this new thing where because there were too many bands that he wanted to promote, but he couldn't have them all on the label. He was doing this kind of like Libertino singles thing where um, uh, he would have um, uh a bunch of different bands try out basically do do one single with libertino as kind of like a one off and then okay this is going to be the only thing we do with that with with this label but then you know it gives us a bit of a springboard and hopefully means we can get some more attention elsewhere um but it just went down so well that he um and because we got got played on you know bbc radio i think like 15 times in in the first month and a half or something like that so yeah. at, the at the at the time he made that decision um he uh um he then just said okay we, we may as well do um some more singles and then after two or three singles he said okay we'll, we'll do the album <laughs> the, the the guy's uh enthusiasm seems to know no bounds i mean to me it seems like you couldn't be on a better record label would that would that be a succinct uh summation oh yeah griff is great he's always so he's always so positive he's always got such nice things to say and uh very constructive advice it's just it's, he's just great <laughs> yeah he's he's um he puts a, a lot of his heart and soul into into each of the acts and just wants oh, to get yeah. them as far as possible wants to get them in front of as many people as possible and but not only that just wants to guide them a little bit you know give them give them a little bit of advice that we wouldn't take from anybody else um sure. and and um uh it's just in the way that you know charlie's a fifth member when we're recording um griff is a fifth member when we're promoting and putting ourselves out there um sure. and he definitely you can tell he loves what he does like you can just tell like every single conversation we have you can just uh you can just hear it in in what he's saying the way he's saying it he's like i i just want you guys to do the best you can <laughs> like it's, it's, it's just um you can really hear it it's so lovely i think you know it with all the libertino bands individually we could only do so much but bringing us all together under one label under one you know um roof i think makes us as a whole a lot more impactful and yes. i think it, it puts people it puts people who wouldn't have heard you in touch with you because they're like oh, okay they're on the same label as this other band that i already like and yeah, it gives yeah. you a little bit of of clout at least in in wales sure. um and I think what he's built in, I mean, just in the time we've been on the label, it has grown into something completely different. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, and it, in, a, in a brilliant way, I feel like it's really established. Sure. It, it feels like he, like you say, he's created something really special there. Um, and it, there, there also appears to be a sort of real sense of community around the label, um, which, you know, again, is ironic in one sense, given what the album is about. So you seem to be fully embraced within that community a libertino band which is which is a great thing to have i guess 
I mean, it, that 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 trail of thought is not a sec. It's not a trick we're going to be trying to pull off on the second album. <laughs> <laughs> the um, if, if if one if there's one thing I think the first album has um taught me is to try and write about as many different things as possible. Yeah. Um, but I I do think I do I do quite like the um the thematic focus across the 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 first record, and I do think that that was one of the things. But for those two songs, we kind of wrote in that way. Yeah. Um. And then I think the only other song where we kind of touched on that same topic is uh, is the song "Everything Solved at Once." Sure. Um. Sure. Yeah. So like, and that song we're we're talking about how, um, you know, we're we're better than we need to be for the level that we are, and sure. you know, other other kind of really um pretentious, uh, thoughts <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, tell tell me or describe to me the recording process. Uh, with Charlie because you know what I get a sense of from Charlie is that he's he's a father figure he's he's a he's a, an older uncle figure he's a reliable hand he's somebody you can trust the amazing thing about Charlie is he somehow manages to balance that kind of uh, authoritative father kind of nurturing figure and then he'll instantly slip into oh it's just like it's just your mate Charlie, and then and it's uh, and the age and all of that just disappears, and we have a chat about something else, and then it will snap back again. And I think it's one of the reasons we work so well together is that um, that he that it's quite obvious that we respect him, and it's quite obvious that he respects us. So yeah. we're very happy to treat each other as the situation demands, and it changes so much as we record. There'll be moments where we need to be really focused where we need to make important decisions, where we need to add things or take things away and where Charlie's advice is invaluable. And there'll be moments where um, we're trying to get our personality across a bit more and then things have to break down a little bit and Charlie's got to kind of enter our world a bit more then. Uh, and sure. he just so, and he just slips in like, um, it fits like a glove, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, 95% of the time we're totally not precious about any of our music and we're happy for him to take it any way he wants so we've, we've written something we've worked it up and we've gotten it as good as we can get it we then have we, we then you know record it with him and then he with us goes to take it somewhere else and and if he's got ideas i'm happy for him to mess mess around with what we've done and change it as much as he likes so okay. he's got a complete he's got a, a creative freedom um in terms of of what we're doing if we tell him okay, there's a part of this song which we need to have, even if you don't like it, then it, he'll always listen to that and respect it and keep it in because mm. we very rarely do that, you know? Yeah, um, it's, a, it's so... a trump card we don't pull out very often. So when, it, <laughs> so when when we do, he goes, all right, I trust you guys, we'll make it work. And then it will come around like a few days later and he goes, oh yeah, I kind of get it now that everything else is, is put together. So okay, yeah, it does cool. work nicely. Well, that, it makes it, it makes it, the, 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 I guess the, the main thing is it's a completely collaborative exercise. He is yeah. working with us and we're giving him ideas and then he's running with those ideas and then he's giving us, us ideas and we're running with those ideas. Sure. So it's like a great example. I mean, definitely the track he's had the most impact on would be Safety in Numbers, mm -hmm. which was written as a kind of almost like a Nick Drake folk song. Yeah. Um, very simple. Um, and then um, when I was in his loft um recording the vocals for the album we were talking about you know um things we could do on on, on um individual tracks yeah. and then he was talking about um you know what kind of additional vocals we could do on on safety and numbers and i um pointed to a, a tongue record that i like um i don't know if you know the oxford band tongue right okay um uh, robert Lindsay. um okay. he um uh, they often have these kind of like tightly structured vocal sequences. Right. Um, and then I, I, so I, I mentioned the idea to Charlie and then he ran with it, got me to record loads of different um, O's and R's and um, all the yeah, different, yeah. Oh, uh Oh, um, uh, and had me on a MIDI synth, uh, a MIDI synth that he could play around with and lots of different snippets of me singing different notes. And then he, you know, two days later he turned around a track with all of this this version of safety numbers that had all this vocal sequencing on and of course it's a completely different song once yeah. you add that bit in it's not a nick drake song anymore it's a completely you know it's yeah, a completely yeah. different beast um 
and I'd say like a, a less a less prominent, but I think equally as important moment on that album is the massive hand claps in um, <laughs> in How I Fake the Moon Landing, where it's going. Um, and we've got a video of, of how it was done. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's Got great. It. So, yeah, so Charlie recommended it. And he was like, oh, I did this one thing. I can't remember who it was with. He's like, oh, I did this one thing a couple of years ago with this other band to get this, yeah. like, really big slap sound. And I'd like to, I'd like to do it on, uh, on this track as well. And I go, oh, yeah, that, sound, that sounds great. How, how are we going to do it? And he goes, okay, uh, Elliot, here's a broom. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, where's this going? I've got this pallet out the back. We're going to put it in. We're going to put it in the corridor. I'm yeah, going to yeah. set up a mic in the corridor. Just whack the pallet with the broom as hard as you possibly can, and wow. try and do it in time. So we ran. We ran the headphones out of the studio into the hallway because um, the hallway's got like a really nice um, echo in it. And there's just this video of me. So the broom. I'm holding the broom hand or the heads at the top, and there's just this video of me just. Oh, just like absolutely slapping this uh, this pad with this ma- it's a massive broom for cleaning up yeah, in um yeah. in, in music box and I was like Charlie I don't know if this is gonna sound any good it just sounds like I'm hitting a piece of wood with the broom he goes just just give me a minute and he's fiddling around with his knobs and his dials wow. and then just presses play and all of a sudden it's wah, wah, and it's like oh well done <laughs> you were right all along. <laughs> I think I mean, that's that's the point. That's the point that confirms that we weren't a lo-fi band. Yeah, very <laughs> much so. I, I mean, I I would never have described you as a lo-fi band anyway. I mean, what I do get from the album is this sense of the cinematic. It's it's a very it's a widescreen album. It's there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of layers. Um, things like I mean, it's funny that you mention the way you got those the the, the, the hand claps there that. Um, I love the horns on, like the Mari, mariachi horns mm. on uh, credit to Mark Sinker, which sort of took take you by surprise, you know. Mm. So there's these little elements all over the album, seemingly, where you were tr- trying different things, ideas yourself, ideas Charlie had. Did, yeah, is, a lot, that, is that right? Yeah. yeah, a lot of them are us just kind of spitballing ideas with Charlie and well, we go and see Charlie and he's learning to play the trumpet. We're like, oh, how's the trumpet going? And then one of us will go, oh, wouldn't it be fun if Charlie played trumpet on, on one of our tracks? And then somebody else might say, get him to play some mariachi trumpet on credit to Mark Sinker. It'll be great. And and Charlie will go, oh, I'm not sure, but I'll give it a go. And then he'll, he'll, he'll whack out something awesome. And we're like, just keep going, Charlie. Do that again. I mean, <laughs> it works so where well. The, where the mariachi, yeah, where the mariachi thing came from was was... Dario was already playing like a kind of Spanish guitar at the beginning of the song. So we decided that there was this kind of like Spanish guitar kind of kind of feel almost like kind of a flamenco or whatever. I'm getting all the terms wrong, but there was there was definitely like um, there was definitely that feel already. And then Ollie suggested that he wanted trumpet on that track in particular. Yeah, um, yeah. Cause he just wanted it to sound mad. Sure, sure. And, and did um, who's Mark Sinker? I take you to Mark... journalist, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, What's he's the story music... behind that? He's a music journalist from um, the 1980s. Well, he's still alive, so I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, but he wrote he wrote a, rev- a, a not very positive review of one of my favourite albums, um, Felt's Forever Breathe the Lonely World. Um, and um, I used the lyric. I used some of the words he wrote in that review as lyrics for. Um, uh, credit to Mark Sinker and a little bit of the lyrics, a, a little bit also as the lyrics to um, Safety in Numbers. And it's right. the only time I've ever not written my own lyrics. But So I yeah, thought yeah. I, I had to give him a credit on the album. Sure, sure. Well, fair play. Have you heard oh. back from Mark Sinker? We yeah, sent we, him we, a copy we sent of the uh... album. Um, didn't hear back. <laughs> oh, no way. Oh. He was... <laughs> he was very... We sent him a vinyl copy as well. Um, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, never he heard should... anything. He, he spoke be to proud. us before getting the album. Okay. <laughs> he was okay. very he, he was he was very surprised and then he didn't speak to us after. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, you're the band also that to me has a definite image. You know, the way that the band is presented stylistically through photo shoots, videos. Um and he, the, the the cover image for the album is pretty striking mm. as well. Is there any story behind the the four kids and the horse? So um, 
I mean, Jaden Martin, who now lives in Australia, isn't he's well, he's an Australian guy, and he moved he moved back. Yeah. For that whole first album, he was in charge of everything from photos to all but one of the music videos to yeah. all of the album art, um, and a lot of the artwork. If you look back at our singles, um, it, it's the exact it's the exact same style of artwork. It's all family photos from his childhood. Um, right. So photos of um, I think I think uh, his father is on the horse in in um, in in that um, album artwork. So if it's not his dad, it, it's one of the other kids, and it's him. Um, it, it, I don't know if it's like outback Australia or whatever, um, but it's 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 um, his his father when he was a child. Um, it does yeah, Jaden. Jaden was wonderful. Yeah, we would just send things to Jaden and say, "Oh, well, have a play around with this and and see what he'd come up with," and then. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, my only direction for the yeah, the, my only direction for the artwork for the album was it has to be the best thing you've done yet. <laughs> and he kept on giving me stuff, and I was like, no, nah, it's not, it's not as good as you know some of the stuff yeah. you've already done for the single, so it's not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then he came out with that one, and it was like that's a hundred percent it. And then he was worried he couldn't get a high enough resolution version of it because right. even the one that we've got is like it's 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 a good enough resolution that you can blow it up to vinyl. Yeah. But it's still it's um but uh, the one that you the one he had before it would have looked super super uh, soft focus and it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been right but we okay. really wanted that photo luckily he found the original negative of it oh, um so that we were able to use that otherwise I would have been very disappointed there's another universe in which we didn't have that album artwork <laughs> oh, let, let's not go there um so what was it like I I can only guess not ever being in a band but to finally hold that album in your hands. Uh, describe the feeling when you finally got hold of it. Uh, well, we got so many, well, we had the test pressings, didn't we? So yeah. it's interesting yeah. actually, because we got the test pressings through first. It was like, oh, this is exciting because test pressings are something new to us. Um, it, it was all very exciting, but there's no artwork or anything like that. Um, so, and we played the test pressings and they just didn't quite sound right there was something a little bit off with the test pressing the quality just wasn't as good as we were expecting okay um there was something a little bit strange but we we didn't really know what to do about it because we had to get the, we had to get the album out we were on a really tight deadline in terms yeah. of when we got these test pressings like right, we're gonna we're gonna have to go with this and just be a little bit disappointed i think and then they sent through the real things and it, they just like, sounded 10 times in, better for like yeah it just sounded so much better no so idea having why. it Having it with yeah. his artwork that we loved and seeing it on vinyl, the bl having the vinyl in blue as well. Like we all really wanted yeah. the coloured vinyl. So just yeah. having it in colour and it was, um, yeah, it was, it's a little bit dreamlike almost opening it and playing it and it's sounding better because we already had an idea of what we thought it was going to sound like. It sounded mm. so much better. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it was quite ethereal. It was a very strange feeling and it's still a bit weird. Like, I don't think about it too much now when I hold it. I just kind of put it, because I've got a hundred set upstairs. <laughs> it's uh, like, they've, yeah. they've become a, a, a space filler. But when I've got please, just my one coffee. Please buy the album. Please buy the album. Get them <laughs> out of my room. <laughs> um, um, but when, yeah, when it's just the one, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty magical feeling. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd Richard? say I, I'd, I'd always wanted to write an album. And I actually, I didn't really think we'd ever do it. So I only realized that we were going to record an album when we'd finished recording the first two singles and then had started writing the bulk of the album. That's when I realized. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we were recording the album over the period where I was moving to London. Some of those songs on that album are about me moving. Everything's Solved at Once is about me moving. Yeah. And um, kind of blue. The, the lyrics were kind of rewritten to be about that as well. Okay. Um, and I think at, at the point at which I was making that move, we, I, I did, there was part of me that thought, I mean, realistically, how much more can we do? Could we actually write another album? Yeah. Um, so there was a point at which I never thought we'd get to write one. And there was a point at which I thought this would be the only one we'd ever write. Yeah. So by yeah. the time that, um, you know, we actually could hold, hold it in our hands and we knew that it was going to be the first of, you know, a few, um it was quite um was quite a, moment, a momentous feel, feeling getting to do like um you know all the you know the main bit is writing the music the main bit's recording the music but yeah. um and and that's that's the bit that that kind of 
um, transcends everything else. But there's yeah. still something to be said for, you know, reading your own liner notes for the first time and sure. actually ha having something held in your hands. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've got a 500 strong record collection, you know, in my house and be, to be able to like, oh, this is, you know, I'm replicating that experience with my own music. And it's because, you know, we've gotten on a label that actually um, likes what we're doing. And there are enough people to justify, you know, um, you know, I, I, was, I was making this. It's not just a vanity project, you know. Sure. Um, it, it, yeah, a really good feeling. Did it feel like validation? Yeah. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. I'd say um, I definitely feel validated for the amount of importance I put into the band. I feel validated now compared to maybe in like 2015. I felt like, in, you know, in 2015, the amount of I was putting the same amount of effort and energy into the band and getting not even one percent back of, of what we get now. Sure, sure. Elliot? Yeah, I would I'd agree up to an extent. I mean, I. I don't pay a lot of attention to uh, any of our social media. I don't. I pay not that much attention either to how many people are at our shows because I'm tucked at the back on the drums and I can't see a lot anyway. <laughs> um, so, if, if I'm honest, there's really not a lot I pay attention to other than the <laughs> music itself. My uh, wanting to structure it and play around with it, and then my kind of experience of playing live, which I love and enjoy a lot. So then having a getting a thing out of it and going, oh, it's here as well as, as well as my experience of it. It was, um, yeah, it was one of the first times that had really clicked because even on the radio and stuff, like I heard it on the radio once, but beyond that, whenever somebody said, oh, it's been played on the radio again, it like, it wasn't something that I paid a lot of attention to. Um, cause it, it, if you I'm see honest, what I mean when I say I'm the driving yeah, force which is, of the Which band. is the driving force because <laughs> that kind of thing doesn't interest it doesn't interest me. It doesn't interest me very much. Um, so yeah, the, the, it was just nice to be able to put it in with all my other records and be able to play it for myself. It was, yeah, it was validation or kind of realization. Yeah, um, those kind of words are suitable. I mean, Elliot saves all. Elliot saves all of his kind of band energy and band passion for writing songs and performing songs. Um, whereas <laughs> I probably, I've got a whole nother toolkit for shouting about our songs and <laughs> trying to get them heard, which is something that's foreign to to the rest of the band. Ollie, Ollie started um, the bassist is now has his own um, solo project, so he's had to learn that toolkit. Okay. Um, but I think definitely Dario and Elliot, that's that's very foreign to them. <laughs> I mean, it's been a fantastic reaction to the album as well. But and now you're moving on to a second album by the sound of it. Does it yeah. seem some distance in the past then, talking about your debut album? We're always so occupied with what we're writing in the present moment. Whenever we write a song and we start writing the next song, it's always like, oh, oh let's leave by that old one, let's write this, until we come yeah. back to it. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is, this is good. So yeah. um, it, in one regard, it feels... Uh, it, it can feel a little bit old, but then as soon as we stick it on, like Richard was um, with me when we were um, when we were writing last, and we put on even the old EPs, which we hadn't listened to in a few years. But as soon as we kind of put it on, as soon as we play it in recording, it kind of all comes back to life again, and it brings brings everything with it. So it's sure. yeah, it's interesting how um, how much energy uh, it tends to bring with it as soon as we hear it, as soon as we play it, and it and it comes to sure. it like that. I mean, for, for various quite boring reasons, it took ages to get our album out. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we had some disastrous PR where, I mean, we were doing a, quite a good job of doing the PR ourselves. And then we paid someone a lot of money to do the PR and it was worse. But one of their stipulations was they wanted to move the album release back so that um they had wow. time to do it justice yeah. and oh my goodness this yeah i mean i i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bitch but anyway um <laughs> it was it, so so that was it for very for various different very silly reasons like that we finished recording an album in august 2018 and then we mm. released an album in december 2019 so wow. these songs were written i mean the oldest of these songs kind of blue I was probably, if I was to hazard a guess, I'd say it might have been written in February 2017. I mean, yeah. Aaron was still in the band when we wrote that song. It's the one song 
where um, we, we had two guitarists on the original version on that album. Yeah. Every other song was written with just Dario. And that's where he kind of like learned to fill in all that space and kind of um, le- learn to become the one and only guitarist. And that kind of completely changed. That was another reason why it completely changed our, our music um, yeah, sure. um, from that point onwards. Um, so by the time it was released, you know, it'd been such a long time since we'd, we'd written that material. And it was yeah. only because we're fiercely proud of it. And we really like that, you know, that we still um, that it still kind of felt in any way um, uh, uh, relevant and new. Um, sure. But now we're at a point where we've written 10 songs. So we've got 10 songs that are ready for for a second album. Okay. Um, and we're probably going to aim to write another 10 in advance of recording so that we can then, when we cut it down to a 10 track album, it's, you know, a big step up, hopefully, from the debut, because we've written so much material and condensed it down. that You know, it's that it's that level. It's that level up. Yeah. Um, but um you know we've written these 10 songs by the time that we end up releasing this album it will have been such a long time since we wrote the very first of the songs to end up on on this album and it's sure. just it's just it's just the way it is this time because of covid we were due to record five songs in march 2020 yeah um late march unfortunately oh, um okay. and um charlie was the first one to say i mean charlie's quite covid cautious Sure. We're all COVID cautious, but I think he, he's especially so. Yeah. Um, and he was the first to say, quite rightly, this isn't going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we now don't really know. We have in between lockdowns when things have lined up, you know, um, gotten enough writing in that we've been able to to um, to to get another five songs that we that are really tight and we're very happy with since then. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just it, we'll record whenever we record. But I think because recording is going to take a bit longer to get to than any writing session. By the time that we get to a recording, we're going to have so much material to work <laughs> yeah, with yeah, yeah. that it should be it should be quite fun actually. Like um, uh, whittling down the twenty songs or whatever we've written to fifteen, we're going to record, and then whittling down that fifteen we've recorded to ten songs we're going to put on an album. Yeah, I'm yeah. really looking forward to that process of being really picky. There's only one thing for it is to release a double or a triple album. No, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> so a final question then. Um, obviously, it's been so strange, so odd for all of us living through these, um, you know, these, these crazy times and. Um, Hopefully, you know, hopefully we're through the second wave and we may come out the other side refreshed, re-energised and ready to go again. But um, just for a band then, just give me an insight into, I mean, it must be so much frustration. Obviously, you couldn't promote the album in the way you wanted it to. And then playing live, which is the lifeblood of Silent Forum, where you really come into your own, haven't been able to do that. I mean... Uh, my, my heart does go out to you. It must be. It must be really tough. I, I mean, it was really tough. I was very depressed when we had to cancel our recording, and then when we had to cancel all of our band practices, I was probably even more upset about having to cancel band practices because the the silver lining was, oh, we'll be able to get more writing done because we're not recording. Sure. Um, I think gigging um, is important, but that's probably. Th- that's probably second to, to, to actually writing and practicing sure. because I think gigging is like a really fun expression of going like, look what we've done, you know, whereas I think, you know, um, the practice is, is like us actually doing it. I, yeah, yeah. I do think for me personally, though, there are quite a few silver linings. I think in terms of the topics for the second album, um, Uh, lyrically a lot of it is drawing from what we're going through now you know on the first album we had songs like spin and robot which were about you know working a nine-to-five office job and just the kind of all the mundane things that kind of go go along with that whereas now I'm writing about um, you know what's it like from the perspective of someone working remotely from home well I've never heard a song about that and that's something sure. that we can do that's never been done before. A song's yeah. about, you know, observing 18 and 19 year olds um, who are, you know, it's meant to be in the prime of their life during a global pandemic. I mean, I've, I've never heard a song about that. So that's an interesting sure. thing to write a song about. And, you know, there, there are so many interesting topics that, that are, you know, when I've got something that genuinely I want to sing about and gives me some creative energy, the performance as a result is better. 
and the way you know when 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 there's a purpose and a drive in a song the song comes together in, in, a, in a much more purposeful way. So the few practices, you know, we we had the longest period we've ever had off as a band, which was four months, where it was absolutely impossible for me to go from one, for anybody within Cardiff to practice, even if they wanted to, and yeah. two, for me to travel from London to Cardiff to do what we do. Um, and we had three practices, three days in a row, and we, we came out with three songs. Wow. And each of them had a huge amount of energy purpose and drive and they are songs that never would have existed had we not had um uh, um a global pandemic um every facet of them it comes from that condition of being written so you talk about you know before the interview you were talking about post covid music being a genre <laughs> you know i totally definitely in terms of you are going to get for the next couple of years albums that have been completely defined i mean there are lucky you know there are lucky solo artists now who are able to mid pandemic put put stuff out but i think any band who are reliant on you know um having more than just individuals around them in order to be able to put together albums there is going to be a lot of pent-up creative energy and a lot of stuff to come out of this period which is going to be um i think uh um, really fascinating and I think definitely for us I feel like that, that that is a bit of a gift to come out of a bad situation so hopefully the second album that we end up with even though it will take longer than it ever would have done yeah. um, I think could potentially be a lot more interesting as a result um, and and I, I, I definitely don't think it's going to shape up to be a difficult second album. Sure. Yeah, and we've, I think we found as well that because we hadn't been playing together for so long for like for four months then it we necessarily ended up doing things a little bit differently when we got back together like it couldn't be helped we were yeah. all in different places we hadn't written music for a while we didn't know if it was like well are we going to be able to write music again we haven't played in four months maybe we're not gonna be able to write anything at all um when we got back together after that four month period and started writing and it clicked pretty quickly all of a sudden it gives you this energy of this is what we've been missing um every it was just this kind of subtle shift in in kind of appreciation for what we were doing, which when you're doing it kind of on a regular basis, sometimes you can forget, you can kind of be lost in the in the middle of what you're doing. But when it's taken away from you and then you get it back, it's um, it, it, it dawns on you just how, how much you can appreciate it. And I think we're making the most of most of that energy. I think you're spot on. I'm talking about the fact that not only as you were saying, Richard, about COVID creativity, that it focuses the mind. But what you mentioned there, Elliot, about appreciating what you've lost. And that's why I think, and I hope that when we come through this, you know, this, this will be a new age of songwriting, of people going to shows, uh, not taking grassroots venues and the like for granted, that they'll be full, they'll be enthusiastic because people will think, God, I realise what I lost and I want that back and I'm going to appreciate it and cherish it and love it even more, you know? That, that's the hope anyway, I think, so. Thanks for listening to this episode of Welsh Music Prize Conversations with the 2020 shortlisted bands and artists. You can stream all 15 conversations through AM, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it or let us know through our social media channels at Welsh Music Prize. Diolch yn fawr am rando i sgyrsiau gwobr gerddoriaeth Gymreig gyda'r bands ac artistiaid o'r Hesterfer 2020. Mae modd gwrando i bob un sgwrs trwy am, Spotify neu Apple Podcasts. Os ydych chi wedi mwynhau'r podcast yma, gnewch yn siŵr i'r anni neu adl ni o bod trwy'n sianeli cyfryngau cymdeithasol at Welsh Music Prize.